0: that kind of language, that kind of hope, that kind of danger when we turn to Psalm 124. If you have your Bible, turn there with me to this Psalm of Ascent as we continue this summer series, Psalm 124. If, if you don't have a Bible, then you can find it. It'll, it'll be on the screen behind me, But if, so you can refer back to it. It's also printed for you in the, the traditional service in the order of worship. You could find it there in the bulletin as well. Psalm 124, a psalm of David, a psalm meant to be used by the people of God as they gather in worship. Listen to the word of God, Psalm 124, a song of ascents of David. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I invite you to bow your heads as I pray for us. Father, we do pray that as we listen to your word, that your spirit would apply it to our hearts, that we who come in swallowed by the the storms of life, engulfed by the the problems and pain, that we would find hope and comfort, that we would find help from you. Lord, let us be reminded as we listen to those around us, as as we've worshiped together, as we stand side by side, that as you have helped them, you will help us as you Have helped Israel, you will help us. And our great rescuer is Jesus. Lord, for those who don't know Jesus as their rescuer, Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that as we listen to your word, that you would bring new life, you would give new spiritual life to those that listen, that today would be a day of rescue, a day of help. Help that comes from you. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. For decades, Roger Woodward wouldn't talk about that day when he was seven years old. He was regularly asked about it, but he refused for decades to speak about it, even with his sister. The two of them had been with a family friend on the Niagara River, north of the falls, those greatest falls in the northern hemisphere, when the friend's boat engine, the little fishing boat, the little dinghy. The engine died, and so they were pushed past that point of no return and thrown from the boat. Roger's teenage sister, Deanna, was pulled to safety, just feet from the top of the falls by tourists. Roger, a seven-year-old in a life jacket, went over the falls the first to survive who wasn't strapped inside a barrel. And so he was regularly asked. He survived with a concussion and some bruises, pulled to safety by one of the tourist boats at the bottom of the falls, back for photo op in just a couple of days. But something he couldn't talk about, It is parents, because of the, the swarm of, of international reporters, had to move away from Niagara Falls, move to Florida to get away from it. He and his sister didn't talk about it for decades. Roger says, and he was interviewed because it was in 1960, so just a few years ago they celebrated the, the 50th anniversary. So the news reporters wanted to hear again, what was it like to be swept over the falls? He says, to this day, every time I hear the story, I can smell the water. Roger says the worst part wasn't the falls, it was the rapids leading up to the falls. He would be thrown, plunged under the water, not sure if he would ever come up again. His body bashed against rocks the size of his house, unsure if he would survive. He says one minute you're pulled underwater, you can't breathe, you wonder if you're ever going to breathe again. The next second you're thrown up in the air and you come down and you're glancing off rocks as you're going through the rapids. So actually going over the falls, he said, was much more peaceful than that. They don't really know how he survived except maybe the the splash of the water from the the bottom kind of hitting him in just the right spot so that he didn't crash onto the rocks. But it wasn't the, the big drop that he feared. That wasn't the horror. It was the constant... Turmoil. That feeling that, that you're pulled underwater, you can't breathe. You wonder if you're ever going to breathe again. Now, Roger's story is all over Niagara Falls. It's in the, the gift shops, it's in the, the video. I, my, our, that's how I heard about it. Our family was there this past week on vacation. But Roger himself struggles to tell the story because he still feels the, the danger mean that's the, the danger, that, that feeling of being plunged under the floodwaters, plunged into the torment that the psalmist, that David, wants us to feel. Because thankfully, you haven't fallen into the Niagara River. But you've been tossed about by life. You've at times, maybe even this week, felt like you were pressed under, unsure if you would ever be able to come up for air again. It happens when you when you visit an emergency room. It happens when the the friends and loved ones you care about fall into illness. It happens when you walk into that room with a casket. It happens when the the chaos of your job threatens you. It happens when you, you feel trapped under the water, when relationships begin to dissolve. You know the feeling that David is describing here. You know the feeling, even if metaphorical, that Roger Woodward Experience the floods that engulf, the torrent that sweeps over you, the raging waters that crush you. That's the horrible image that David gives us. This overwhelming fear, this overpowering danger. And yet, in this psalm, this isn't, this isn't a lament. This is a song of thanksgiving. I mean, there are appropriate places for lament. When you flip through the, the psalter, you find them. Songs where where you you simply end with the question, "How long, O oh Lord? How long will I have to suffer?" But but notice this psalm. This psalm doesn't end there. This song ends with thanksgiving. Look at that final phrase, that beautiful phrase in verse eight: "Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth." Now that sounds familiar to us, because that. Those are words that are pulled just from a a couple of psalms before this, from, from Psalm 121. When the psalmist reminds us that my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And now this corporate song, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, this is a psalm of thanksgiving, a psalm of praise. That God is the God who is with us in the hazards of life. God is our help. God rescues us from danger. And so we see the the clear hazard. I mean, the the psalm, and 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 maybe your translators have have broken the psalm up the way mine have. Verses 1 through 5, that first stands of the hazard, the danger. And then verses 6 through 8, the help. It's it's set up by that, that conditional word, if, at the beginning. The psalmist in the first five verses is imagining what life would be like if God did not rescue And the image is is horrific. Verse 2, if if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, then we're told when when their anger flared against us in verse 3, and then he starts to give us the images, they would have swallowed us alive. The image of of being devoured by a wild beast, even a mythical creature, big enough to to devour you, to swallow you. Verses 4 and 5 capture that that image of of the floodwaters crashing down on us. Now in the in the Middle East, in the part of the country that, that David lived. And we can think of the times that David had to flee from, from the, the hillside out into the wilderness. And so you might think he's, he's there hiding in a desert. What danger is there from floods? Well, these are ancient, ancient caverns that have been carved through the mountains. And so when the rain falls, it can be just an inch of rain, miles away. As it, as it gathers into that, that floodplain, you have no warning. The wall of water crushes over you. And so David can imagine this. David has seen this. If you've traveled through this part of the world at the right time of the year, then you have seen it happen. Now, hopefully from the safety of your tour bus while the the bus driver stops and waits for the floodwaters to recede. But there's danger lurking. A danger that you and I know that we feel. The personal dangers. The professional dangers the financial dangers, the, the fears about our health and our security. And so the psalmist is, is asking a question you and I often ask, what if? What if? What if God wasn't there to help us? What would happen? What if the Lord had not been on our side? I mean, It's such an important, such an important phrase that, that David repeats it for us twice in verses 1 and 2. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, then what would have happened? We would be lost. We would be destroyed. As one commentator points out, then then what the psalm sets up for us is this clear contrast. Without God, danger becomes destruction. That's the the first half of the, the psalm. Without God danger becomes destruction. But then notice how the contrast is set for us. With God, danger can become witness. God can actually use danger as God rescues us so that we can witness for him. You see, the, if God had not been on our side, we would be destroyed. But because God is on our side, do you, I mean, that's the implied answer here. If the Lord had not been on our side, But but do you see, it? as David says that, he's actually asking people, join in with me. Let Israel proclaim it. I mean, it's it's a call to the people of God. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side. He's inviting people to join with him. His witness for the gospel is is contagious. He wants the nation to join in worship, to acknowledge that, that God is on our side. And so with God, the dangers that we face can become witness, witness to his power, his love. Opportunity is for us to proclaim what God has done and what God is doing. Because look at the way the the psalm turns in verse 5, from verse 5 to verse 6. The raging waters would have swept us away, but then David can invite the people to praise God. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. Again, the, the images are horrific of, of being devoured by wild animals. We've escaped like a bird out of the fowler snare. The snare has been broken. We have escaped. David is reminding us God has rescued us. The dangers you face are not really dangers if God is on your side. No matter where you walk, you cannot be harmed ultimately. You cannot be destroyed because God is on your side. And David is is using God's covenant name. He's calling him Yahweh. He's using the name that God revealed to himself when he entered into a a promise, a covenant promise with his people. It's even why he calls the nation Israel. It's the name God gave to them when God entered into relationship with them. God made the promise, I will be your God. I will be with you. I am Yahweh, your God. So if Yahweh had not been on our side, We would be destroyed. But praise be to Yahweh, because he has not let us be torn by the teeth of our enemies. We've escaped like birds out of the fowl snare. The snare has been broken. We have escaped. And so the witness then is meant to, to become contagious. As David gives praise to God for the rescue, the church is meant to join in in giving praise. So that's why what we do here on Sunday mornings can't be replicated in your living room. Now, I mean, it could be if you invited a bunch of people to fill your living room, but it can't be replicated just with you alone in your living room. Because worship has a corporate aspect. And yes, absolutely, do I want you in, in private, on your own, studying and worshiping, studying scripture and worshiping God? Do I want you as your family gathered in your living room giving praise to God? But you can't replicate what happens when the church gathers unless you are here with the church. Because what you need is the reminder that as, as you have the floodwater sweeping over you, as you're gasping for air, you have brothers and sisters in the gospel who stand alongside you and say, let Israel say, say it with me, God is on our side. You have people who can remind you, God is with us. You, you rejoice in the, the, the stories of God's grace that are proclaimed in the, the people around you. It's why I want you back for, it's why we're training community group leaders today, because the relationships you have with brothers and sisters in Christ are central to your survival. To your survival in the the dangers and sorrows of life, you need the reminder that comes. When people stand with you and and say, praise be to the Lord. When you, with tears in your eyes, can rejoice in what God has done in their lives. When you, as the one who who stands strong in those moments of, of confidence, can turn to them and say, say it with me. Join with me in singing. I'll stand by you. I'll lift you up. Let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been destroyed. But God is on our side. Now I know, if your heart works like my heart works, then when a preacher starts to get a little bit excited, you start to get a little bit cynical. I mean, for me, that's how it works. When I listen to preachers, The more excited they get, the more resistant I become. Because I think, well, that's nice for you, but you haven't walked where I've walked. You didn't go through my week. You haven't been in the places I have been. How can you say God is our God? I'm okay. Some of you are thinking, I'm okay, Kevin, if if you say my help is in the name of the Lord. You're not offended by that. Kevin, if that works for you, you might be thinking. then then that's fine. But when we start to say, our help is in the name of the Lord, when I tell you, you have to join with me in giving praise to God, then you start to step back. And and that's not just if if this is the first time you're hearing the gospel. Your heart can, the the cynicism in your heart can, can bubble up, and you think, yeah, I've seen God rescue other people. And maybe even I can remember back to a time in my life when God rescued me. But where I stand now, I can't breathe. I don't know if I'm going to survive. And that's why the psalmist, that's why David, the king of Israel, wants us to gather in worship. Because the reminder you and I need is the reminder that comes when we're gathered together. When you remember the stories of rescue, when you remember the the ways in which God has has helped you and helped others. And it should then set us free to, to praise the Lord. And we can imagine the the pilgrims as they followed that annual ritual of of going up to Jerusalem, of singing this song. We can imagine their stories. Many of them, yes, they would be going in in great celebration, but some of them would be dragging themselves to Jerusalem in sickness and in sorrow. And yet, the reminder of singing a song like this is one of the ways that, that we can and it's, it's, it's not merely going through the motions to just sing it even when you don't feel it. That's the biblical pattern. Even when you don't feel it, turn to Scripture. Sing the words of Scripture. Read the promises of Scripture. Ask the questions that Scripture asks. Because God is our help. God is our rescuer. God rescues us from danger. James Boyce, who was the pastor at 10th Presbyterian for for many years in Philadelphia. In his commentary on the Psalms, he he turns the, the question on us. He forces us to think through the scenario. He asks, what if Jesus did not die in our place? What would your life look like? What if God wasn't on your side? What if Jesus wasn't a rescuer? And when we begin to to mull that over, we we begin to realize how dangerous the situation is. That we would be swallowed by the judgment of God. The the flood of of God's anger, his righteous and perfect anger, would crush us. What if Jesus wasn't there for us? It's a question that that the Apostle Paul asks. A couple of weeks ago, I I asked you to turn with me from from these Psalms of Ascent to Romans 8. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Romans 8, one of those chapters in Scripture that is filled with the overwhelming promises of God. One of those places like these psalms that we can turn to when we feel like the floodwaters are crushing us. The Apostle Paul in in Romans 8, verses 28 through, through 30 offers us this huge promise. In Romans 8, 28, he says, And we know that in all these things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to His purpose, for those God foreknew he also predestined, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined he also called. those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And you see, the, the promise is huge. I mean, Romans, it doesn't get bigger than Romans 8:28, that God is working all things for our good. The God's love is shown to us in every circumstance of life. And Paul gives us that unbreakable chain of, of promises that go back to God's purposes before creation and extend beyond the, the grave. That we have, been, we have been called by God, we've been predestined, and we, ha- we will also be glorified. And so then Paul asks this question. What then shall we say in response to this? He asks the question that comes to us from, from Psalm 121. We can imagine him having this kind of, this language in his head. If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you hear that, that question? And Paul will answer it. Nothing can stand against you if God is for you. If the right man is on your side, the hymn asks us. That great hymn of the Reformation that Martin Luther wrote. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing, then we would be destroyed, we would be crushed, but the right man is on our side. I mean the promise that Scripture gives us is that God rescues us. God is our help. Paul continues. When he asks the question, if God is for us, who can be against us? He continues with a with another question. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, God gave His Son. Jesus, the the perfect Son of God, steps into your mess, wades into the raging waters to pull you from the flood. And more than that, Jesus Himself dies in your place. That's the hope, the promise of Scripture. That's why we can say our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth, because Jesus Christ has rescued us. Jesus is on our side. He has rescued us from sin. Jesus has freed us from death. Jesus has empowered us to live in the hope of the gospel. Jesus has given us a voice to lift in praise to him. Jesus has given us the privilege to witness to him. And so when you stand facing the sorrow and struggle of life, you don't stand alone. God is on your side. Jesus stands beside you. When you stand in those raging waters, Jesus pulls you from them. When you stand and face temptation, Jesus stands with you. When you conquer sin by choosing obedience, Jesus empowers you. When you have the boldness to proclaim the gospel to a coworker, to a family member, Jesus speaks through you. When you gather with God's people and lift your voice in praise, even when every emotion in your body is telling you it it doesn't feel right, but you still sing the words to give praise to Jesus, Jesus stands with you. Jesus is on our side. That's the promise of Scripture. If you put your hope in Jesus Christ, then nothing can separate you from him. Nothing can pull you from him. You belong to him. He has rescued you. And so danger is no longer danger. We need not fear the the hazards of life because with God, those hazardous times, those dangerous times become opportunities for us to give praise to God. Opportunities for us to witness to God's faithfulness. Opportunities for us to lean on God, to be able to say, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now over the years when people would coax out of Roger Woodward a response about that day in 1960, when he went over the falls, he would would often hear things like, God had his hand on you that day. God must have something important for you, young man, to accomplish in your life, for God to rescue you from that. But as a boy, a boy who wasn't really given the freedom or the, the opportunity to talk about it because of the the swarm of the media attention, the fear of his parents, the the removal from all his friends and family and being shuttled to a different part of the country, he didn't know how to respond. I mean, he figured, in his little seven-year-old mind, it must be his fault. Because while his sister was rescued, and he miraculously survived that plunge over 160 feet through the torrent of water, the family friend who was with him did not survive. And so it was years later when, as a young man, he was troubled by the question, why am I here? When he would hear people say, God must have something big for your life for him to have rescued you from that, he would think, why? Why would God do that? What am I supposed to be doing here? And he says, that one huge question was a question he could only find answered when he had a A friend who is willing to to invite him to church. To say, come with me to hear what God has done. Not what God did in in pulling you from the raging torrent. Not what God did in, in, in keeping you from harm that day. What God did before that. What God has done through Jesus on the cross. See, that's the great miracle of Roger Woodward's life. Not that he is pulled out every time somebody plunges over the falls in an accident. But that he was chosen by God. Rescued by God. So Roger says, from that day forward, I was able to answer that one huge question. Why am I here? And the answer to the question was this. God saved me on that day in July of 1960 because he knew 20 years later the age of 27, I would come to know him as my rescuer, as my savior. You have been rescued. Your story is bigger than Roger's. It's bigger than tumbling over the falls of Niagara. And when you stand at the foot of those falls, it, it the, the power, I mean, the reason Roger's story is, continues to be told is because when you stand there, the power is overwhelming. But, but imagine what you have been rescued from. Think about it. That overwhelming, unstoppable flood caused by your sin, your rebellion against God, and yet God has rescued you from that. And not simply by, by dragging you out of the water onto, the, onto a tourist boat. God rescued you from that because Jesus Christ stepped into the floodwaters of your sin. He took your sin upon himself. He died on the cross. So you and I now have the privilege of being witnesses to that truth, of giving praise to God, of lifting our voices, being able to say God rescues us from danger because God has rescued us in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we can lift our voices and proclaim our help is in the name of the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Let me pray for us. God, the sorrows and struggles of life threaten to overwhelm us, but your grace overflows. Your grace knows no bounds. Your rescue can find us, even in the sorrow and the sadness of life, even in the brokenness of our own sinfulness. And so, Lord, I pray that you would would work in our hearts now Lord, for those who listen to this truth, who hear these big promises of Scripture, and yet struggle to believe, Lord, give them now the faith to believe. Lord, let them turn from their sin and turn to Jesus and find forgiveness. Let them turn from from living their own way and turn and find their rescue in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, for those of us who proclaim the name of Jesus, who sing these words that our help is in the name of the Lord, our rescue comes from you. Lord, let us sing it with our, with our whole lives. Let us sing it as, as those who witness to your grace. Let us face the dangers of life not with fear but with confidence that you are the God who is on our side. Lord, let the promise of Scripture rest deep in our souls. Let our, let our confidence be in Jesus Christ. Lord, make us bold in the name of Jesus. Make us bold in witnessing to his grace. Lord, we come praying in the name of Jesus our Lord. Jesus, the one who has rescued us. Amen.